Welcome, welcome in all praises to the Most High, our Father, our Abba, our Creator, and we thank Him for giving us another blessed Holy Shabbat. He knew what we needed before we even knew what we needed for ourselves. Welcome to the Science of the Covenant podcast. And I am Boyce Washington, and on the other side of me is Pastor Richard Washington, and we want to thank you for tuning in with us on this holy Shabbat at one in the afternoon. Now, if you have any questions or comments while this podcast is live, or even after the podcast has aired and you are listening um, on anchor.com or any of the other podcasts, uh, platforms and you may have a question feel free to shoot us an email at science of the covenant at gmail.com we would love to hear from you any of your comments and your questions and we will get them on air and discuss them so as you know the pastor is has started a new series where he is talking about the seed it is very interesting you don't want to miss it so pastor this week, what are we going to be discussing on the seed? Okay, as we uh, started last week uh, dealing with the science of the seed, uh, we want to deal with uh, two aspects uh, in this particular scenario, and we'll get to those in a minute. Uh, uh, that was a question that was asked to me um, and the question was, you know, was Yeshua, was he created or was he begotten? Now, we won't answer that question right away, but uh -huh. what we'll be doing is laying a foundation. So when we get to the question, we will have some premise by which we can substantiate our claim one out of, and we're hoping to also have this typed out and uh, and printed where we can have copies of it. Now, in this particular discourse that we are dealing with today, we want to try to deal with two aspects. Now, the overall topic is the science of the seed. And in this particular study, we want to look at the anthropological image and we want to look at the anthrosperm, those two, the anthropological image and the anthropological sperm. And as we deal with those terms, uh, it is laying the foundation for that which is to follow. Now, if you recall last week that we stopped where we were showing that when Elohim created something, of man, animal, and humans, that he had a seed within these particular entities, and those seeds were there to reproduce more of the same kind. Now, this particular week, we'll be going over some of the same ground, but we want to be able to reiterate what it is that we are dealing with when we deal with the science of the seed, because eventually we'll be going from man to Elohim himself, but we just want to lay the foundation. So with that being said, let us have a word of prayer as we get ready to deal with these two aspects of the science 
of the sea. Eternal Father, we thank you for another privilege to be able to engage in your word, that your word may be able to speak to us and that your word may be able to inform and instruct us in such a way, Lord, that we will be directed to your truth. Thank you for those who have come. Thank you for those who have been with us in the past. And we thank you most of all, O Heavenly Father, for those who are honestly seeking your truth, that they may walk in the way that you would have them to walk, because we know that the path in which you give leads to your kingdom. And this is what we are aspiring to do, is to get to your kingdom. Bless my host, bless me, bless those who listen, and most of all, bless those, O Heavenly Father, who want to be in the end a part of your kingdom. These and other blessings we ask in the name of Yeshua, the Messiah. And for his dear sake, we do pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. Amen. Okay. We want to go into our scripture. And here in the scripture, we want to turn to Genesis chapter 1. And we want to look at a few verses there as we uh, start our discourse. Now, here in Genesis chapter 1, the first verse we want to look at is verse number 12. And here it says, And the earth was brought forth grass, and herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after his kind. And Elohim saw that it was good. Now, what we want to point out in the 12th verse of the first chapter of Genesis is that he was saying that the seed was in the plant, and it reproduced after its kind. As we saw yes, uh, last week that we raised the question, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Did the egg come first and then the chicken, or did the chicken come first and the egg? But we found out from the word of Elohim that both the chicken and the egg came together. It's just that the egg was still in the chicken, but when it came out, uh, it had to be there in order for it to come out. All right, so we see here in this particular passage in verse 12 of the first chapter, it speaks about the seed already being with the plant when he created it. Now, let's look at the same chapter, chapter 1 of Genesis, and we want to look at verse 21. Now, 21 says this, And Elohim created great wells, and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind, and Elohim saw that it was good. So here we see that even the marine creatures, the, those in the water, uh, they also uh, were created after their kind. And notice what it says in verse 22. It says, And Elohim blessed them, saying, Be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let them multiply in the earth. So here we see a reiteration uh, of the aqua or the sea animals or the sea creatures, how they were to reproduce after their kind. And then we read again in verse 25, it says, And Elohim saw, and Elohim made the beasts of the earth after his kind, and the cattle after their kind, and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. Elohim saw that it was good. So not only the creatures in the sea, but also the land animals. And we know that's also in verse 20, it's, uh, it speaks about uh, those uh, 
creatures that he made, like the fowl, to fly above the earth, they had seed in themselves to reproduce after their kind. And then we notice in verse 26, it says, And Elohim made the beasts of the earth after his kind, and after their kind, and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. So when we look around at the fish, the fowl, and the creatures, all of them reproduce after their kind because Elohim uh, made them with the seed to do so. And then when we look at verse number 26, it says, And Elohim said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over every, over the, all of the earth and every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So when he came to man, he did the same thing. He made man, and man was to have a seed within him uh, to be able, like the animals and the plants, to be able to reproduce after their kind. And so when we look at this, we see that there's a seed of life that is placed in living creatures and living things to reproduce after their kind, okay? So when he made man, he put a seed in man to be able to reproduce after man's kind, but primarily, since man was made in the image of Elohim, that his intentions was that man would reproduce and look like Elohim, who was his creator and maker. So we read that Elohim created the plants, the creatures, and humans and in doing so, each of these categories contain a seed in themselves. And these seeds contain the substance of what is needed to reproduce another species of its kind. Now, the only category of life who has made, who was made in the image and the likeness of Yah was humans, even though the plants and the other creatures have seeds, but they were not made in his likeness and image. However, if humans have seeds, then logically, Yah or Elohim also has a seed because Elohim made humans in his image. So Elohim has a seed in very much the same way he created the principles and laws in the botanical and the zoological and the anthropological worlds. So when we look at botany and all of the plants, and when we look at zoology and all of the creatures, and we look at the anthropological world, which deals with human beings, all of those worlds have seeds to reproduce after they can. So as we have stated that man was made in the image and likeness of his maker, and in being made in the image and the likeness of his maker, then we see a similarity between man and his creator. Consequently, when we study man's nature, we are also studying the nature of Elohim. Now, the nature of Elohim can be understood by our, by us understanding plants, animals, and humans. So whenever we study these particular entities, we are also studying about Elohim's nature. So whatever species a seed comes from, it contains within it all of the substance needed to reproduce 
itself. If Elohim has a seed, we would ask the question, how do we know that he has one? Now, keep in mind that no person has ever seen or heard Elohim. Nobody, nobody has ever seen him or heard him. Yeshua has declared, he has declared him to us. So how do we know that Elohim has a seed? Now, if scriptures state that Adam was created in the image and likeness of his creator, then it would logically follow that if we study the image of Adam, of which we refer to as man's image, and we call this image the anthropological image, let us examine this image. So we are talking about the anthropological image. When we talk about the anthropological, that is anthros is the word for, for, for man. And logical means the reasoning or the study of man. So we have the anthropological, the anthropological image. And when we study the anthropological image, aren't we also in a way studying indirectly the nature of Elohim? Now, consequently, if man's image comes from his creator, would not it be logical to conclude that if man carries a seed, then would not his creator carry a seed in whom he was created in the image and likeness of? As we pointed out, that when we create, when he created plants and animals and humans, he also created simultaneously their seed along with them. And I would think that in that if man was made to conform to his maker's nature, then would not Elohim's nature have a seed within his being as well? And if we notice that the principles and laws of man's, uh, uh, the way that man is built, these principles and laws are also in the plants and animals. So what we're doing is trying to make a comparison between man's nature and Elohim's nature since he was made in the image of Elohim. Now, if Elohim created Adam in his image and likeness, that would mean that if we examine man, we'll indirectly be examining Yah's anatomy as well. Moreover, if man is made in the image, in, in, in Elohim's image, does such an image include both his inward and outward nature? So when we look at man, and he was in Elohim's image, was it both his inward and outward nature? Well, I would think it would be, because if he's made in man's image, in, in Elohim's image, then it would be inwardly as well as outwardly. Now, if man inwardly and outwardly is like his creator, this would allow us to make a corresponding comparison between man's body and Elohim's body. If man has a mouth, does not Elohim 
have a mouth. If man has a heart, does not Elohim have a heart? If man has a liver, does not Elohim have a liver? In other words, if we go part by part and looking at man, would not we see that man and Elohim has the same parts? If Elohim, if we can see, then does not Elohim have eyes? If we can hear, does not Elohim have ears? Consequently, if all of man's bodily parts correspond to that of his creator's bodily parts, then when it comes to the sperm of man, which is his seed, then would not Yah also have his sperm, which is his seed? If humans are made in Elohim's image, and in doing so, he has put within man the principles and laws which he himself possessed. He implanted them within man's constitution. If the life of a living organ comes from a man's seed, then so does the life of Yah come from his living seed. Within the creation of Elohim, the seed is the main factor to bring forth life after its kind. Without a seed, there can be no, no life to reproduce after its kind. So the seed is the main factor of life. So what we dealt with thus far is how the anthropological image aligns itself to Yah's nature so that understanding man's image, we would, to some extent, understand Yah's nature. So when we study intensively his nature, the nature of man, then we'll get some understanding of what Elohim's nature is. Now that we have looked at the anthropological image, let us at let us look at what we refer to now as man seed, which we will call the anthrosperm. Now, when we talk about the anthrosperm, we're talking about two words. They are Greek words, and these Greek words are anthros, meaning man, and sperma, meaning seed. And so when we put anthro plus sperm, Ma, we have anthrosperma, but we usually take off the we take off the A and we drop one of the I's. And as we've stated, that anthrosperm is man's seed or the seed of man. So when we take the word anthros and put it with the spirit with sperm, we have anthrosperm. So we're dealing with the sperm of man. This is why we have to study man so intensely that we have what you call the science of man. When we study man, we're actually studying Elohim because he has come from Elohim and he is in the image and the likeness of Elohim. So the more we study man, this is the more we study Elohim. So as we have stated that the anthrosperm is Adam's seed or the seed of man. Now the seed of man 
can be understood by the seed of Elohim, of whom his seed is an image. So if if the if the life in the water, the fish have their seed, and if we have their seed, and if the life of the air, the birds have their seed, and if the life in the soil, the creatures have their seed, wouldn't it be that as human beings who live upon this earth would also have seed? by which we reproduce species after our kind. The seed of man contains within it the substance necessary to reproduce more of its kind. So when we deal with the anthrosperm, we are dealing with what Elohim has put within mankind to be able to have his offspring after his kind. So now when Adam and Eve were created, we can rightly surmise that he possessed all that was needed in order to reproduce a being after his kind. We know that in order to in order for a human species to come into existence, there must be the sperm which is the seed. As we have pointed out in our earlier studies that the seed is masculine. Okay, now let's go to the scriptures. Let's go back to Genesis. And we go back to the first chapter. And as we go back to the first chapter of Genesis, here it tells us in Genesis chapter 1, and we look at chapter, uh, uh, verse 11, okay. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 11, it says, And the earth brought forth grass, and herb yielding seed after his kind. Now notice, it didn't, it didn't say after her kind. It said after his kind. So we know that in order for a human species to come into existence, there must be the sperm, which is the seed, and it is masculine. As we pointed out in, in our studies, that this masculine seed is what Elohim created the man with. So we discover in Genesis chapter 1 and verses 11 and 12, it says it refers to his seed, making it of a male gender. However, because the seed is masculine in nature doesn't mean that all seed would come forth masculine. You must understand that man has his chromosomes and woman has her chromosomes. The man has the Y chromosomes. The woman has the X chromosomes. The, and so uh, when we have the X, Y chromosomes, we have a male and then when we have the uh, X chromosomes, we have the female. It all depends on how the chromosomes are matched once they hit the egg of the woman. But the man has the masculine, 
and the masculine would either determine which chromosomes align itself with the woman to determine whether the person would be a female or male. While it is masculine in nature, it could produce a female. So when Adam was created within his being was the sperm. He had the sperm. And the egg needed to produce other beings of his kind was also in Adam. However, the procreation process would be that Elohim would put Adam to sleep and extract from him a rib and make a woman. Now let us turn to Genesis chapter 2 and consider verses 21 and 22. Genesis chapter 2, verses 21 and 22. It says in verse 21 and following, And Jehovah, or and Yahweh, Elohim, caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs, and he closed up the flesh instead thereof, and the rib which he and the rib which Yahuwah Elohim had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. Okay, now what we're seeing here is that when Adam was created, uh, Adam possessed both the egg and the sperm. But then when he went to sleep, we are told that uh Elohim took one of his ribs and he separated it from Adam. He separated from Adam some of his testosterone while he maintained most of it. And this is the testosterone is what a man has. And he had most of it, but the woman got some of it in the separation he separated from him most of his estrogen while he maintained some of it. You see, the woman, she has most of the estrogen, but man has some of it. But when he separated it, he separated the testosterone and the estrogen. And he separated from him the egg, leaving him with the sperm. So when we read in Genesis 1.27, here's what it says. Genesis 1.27 says, And Elohim created man in his own image, and the image of Elohim created he him. Male and female created he them. Okay? So in other words, when he made Adam, Adam was both masculine and feminine, but when he separated him while he was asleep, and by taking a rib, he took the femininity out of man and left him with the masculinity, and as a result then both Adam and Eve were both in the image of Elohim. So when Adam had awakened from his sleep and he saw the woman of whom Elohim had designed for him, he exclaimed, this is bone, now bone of my bone, now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. So when we look at verse number 23 of the second chapter of Genesis, it says, 
And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. So she was the woman, but she was the woman with the womb. Okay. She was a man with the womb. She was also man, but she was with the womb. So it would appear that if Elohim took part of Adam and created his woman or his wife Eve, then it would seem that they would compensate one another. The chemistry of their being would attract them to one another. The man had the chemistry to be drawn to the woman, and the woman had the chemistry to be attracted to the man. In an intimate association, the sperm and the egg, respectively, of the man and the woman would be magnetized to one another. And when the sperm and the egg are assimilated, they'll reproduce after their own kind. Since Eve was taken from Adam and they were joined together in matrimony, the two of them were the perfect couple to reproduce the perfect seed to, to reproduce a perfect humanity. When they loved one another, they were merely loving themselves because they were a part of one another. They completed one another. So they had a complete, perfect affection for one another. So when they produced children, their offspring would be an amalgamation of them mentally, spiritually, and physically. Elohim intended intentions was that every seed of Adam and his future offspring would reflect the image of Elohim. He expected that when he made Adam and Eve, that every, not only them, but also their offspring would be little Elohims walking on the earth. He wanted them to reflect him fully. However, when transgression entered into their being, their image of Elohim was marred so much so that Elohim's image in them and their offspring was defaced. Now, I want us to turn in closing. I want us to turn to book uh, chapter 5 in Genesis. And in Genesis chapter 5, we want to look at verses 1 through 3. And we want to see what happened to Adam and Eve after they transgressed because the image that Elohim had now put in them had changed. Now, here we are told in Genesis chapter 5 and 1 through 3, it says, This is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that Elohim created man in the likeness of Elohim made he him. Male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam in the day that they were created. And Adam lived a hundred and thirty years and begat a son 
and his name, and he begat a son in his own likeness, and after his image, and called his name Seth. Okay, now, when we read this in Genesis 5, 1 to 3, it said, it, it reiterates to us that Adam and Eve were created in the likeness and the Elo, in the likeness and image of Elohim in the day that they were created. It reiterates that. However, when they had Seth, that Adam begat a son in his own likeness after his image, and he called his name Seth. So Seth means one who is in the image of Adam. So what we can, what, so, so we can, <clears throat> so what we are experiencing here is that the image that Elohim had made man, which was his image, had gone from the image of Elohim to the image of man. And so what we are seeing here is that since man's image was changed from that of Elohim to that of a man, we are seeing how far man had fallen. So now that he is in the image of man, then in order for him to be redeemed, then he has to come back into the image of Elohim. So in some of our future lectures and some of our future discourses, we'll be talking about how man can come back into the image of Elohim rather than remaining in the image of man. So we'll conclude at this juxtaposition. So you, you said that uh, the image of man was changed from an image of Elohim to an image of man after sin. <laughs> wow. So we had a whole, well, not we, but Adam and Eve had a whole different countenance prior to sin. Right. Mm -hmm. Um. And now you also stated that when man, man before Elohim took woman had both masculinity and femininity. But then mm, when right. he made woman, he removed the femininity and gave that to the woman and left the man with mm. the masculinity. Right. And you also stated that that's why there should be attraction there when it comes to a man and woman, man being attracted mm -hmm. to a woman. Right. So, <laughs> you know, this question would come up. What is it to say then when a person of the same sex say, well, I'm not attracted to a man or I'm, I'm a woman, but I'm not attracted to a man. I'm attracted to other women or I'm a man and I'm not attracted to women, but I'm attracted to another man. With that, is that something that Satan has brought about that's unnatural in this day and oh, time? Oh, yeah. You know, it's, oh, yeah, it, it, it's unnatural. Uh, but due to the uh, chemistry of how, you know, man has so manipulated, you know, the physical body mm -hmm. that 
they can take a they can take a woman and inject testosterone testosterone in her that she may feel uh, like she's masculine and you put enough estrogen in a man, he might feel feminine, you know, mm-hmm. is there so much they have done with the human body to, um, alter the, you know, the natural state, but Elohim made us, uh, to be drawn to one another. You know, I mean, what, I mean, I look at myself, you know, I mean, uh, what on earth would a man look at me for? And we got the same thing. I mean, (laughs) what on earth can he see in me that he would want? You know, Mm -hmm. I'm saying uh, number one is, is that uh, there's no physical attraction about me. And when Adam saw his, his woman, Mm -hmm. uh, man was formed, but, but, but the woman, she was built. And so when he looked at that, he was so excited. He said, this is bone is my bone is flesh in my flesh. And that was an, uh, immediate attraction there that he saw. I'm saying a woman's just her anatomy is altogether different from man, which would make an attraction. But I'm saying it's nowhere in the world that I could see in another man or another man seeing me anything worth anything, you know, mm-hmm. uh, to be cohabitating with. I can see that with a man and a woman because uh, they are different, even though a woman is a man, but she's a man with the womb and she's mm. taped differently with different things to be able to compensate to m- the man. So when Satan put his seed out there, then it brought in a lot of confusion mm-hmm. that people saying, well, I like the same sex. Well, the thing is, is that if that is so, then uh, what does the same sex have to offer that you don't have? True. That's one of the questions I would ask. And another question that, that I would ask is how do you, uh, uh, say that the same sex who are coming together on what premise are you doing it? Where, where, where did you get this from? Mm-hmm. So if you, if you boil it down, you sure didn't, didn't get it from the scriptures. You had to get it from somewhere else. And if you didn't get it from the scriptures, I can only believe that you got it from man and man got it from Satan. Yeah. Um, now to me too, is that when you look at it, one of the reasons there's a magnetism to each other is to create. You can't mm-hmm. create, two women can't create, two men can't create. It has to be the man and mm-hmm. the woman. Even though as of now, some men who are transgender, and I want to touch on that a little bit eventually, um, are claiming that they can, they're, they're doing things where uh, I guess they'd be able to take a womb from a woman, put it in a man, the man be able to give birth. I don't know how that's going to work, but it's still not your seed and all because the woman's egg is not coming from that man. So that's still not your DNA. Mm. But as you said that I would assume that the father, Yah, he had, if he created us and created us as, as we, as himself, we're made in his image that 
he is also uh, have masculine and feminine qualities, correct? Mm-hmm. So, to a person that's saying, "Okay, I'm I don't I don't feel like a man or a woman. I'm in between." Are they also? Is something wrong with that? If they saying they because they say, "Well, if I'm from Yah, Yah is both." How can I not be? Because he didn't he he didn't make go ahead. No, I was done. Oh, oh yeah. Well, because he didn't make you that way. Mm. He's he, when we made us, he separated us. And he, just because God or oh, Elohim is androgynous, it does not mean that he made us androgynous. Mm-hmm. He made us that way, but then he separated us. And then the thing called marriage is when the male and the female come together, they complete one another and being able to look at the Elohim, they look at him together as completing, not uh, trying to say intellectually. I mean, you can say that Elohim is androgynous, okay? You can say that mm-hmm. mentally, and you can say it verbally. Mm-hmm. But when you look at your anatomy, does does your anatomy show that? Mm. You're saying it, and you, you're writing it, but does your anatomy say that? That's what you're saying. This is why it's a problem with the Olympics when a person, a man, has a sex change, and then he goes and compete with the women. Yeah. I think it's unfair because a man is generally stronger, generally stronger than a woman. So that's an easy win for him to change his sex to go and deal with the woman rather than deal with the men who can compete with him. He knows a woman cannot compete. He's got to come out and get the gold medal, whereas the rest of them can only get the silver and the bronze medal. So my point, Ben, is simply this, is that you can say that, and what you're saying, you have been taught because your body did not have it. In order for your body to have it, you have to go and get a sex change. So if you got to get a sex change and all of this, that means that you are just saying something and thinking something that you aren't. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting hearing you talk today on The Seed and, you know, one thing that hit me, I don't see why institutions don't, when it comes to science, incorporate the Bible more. Because just what mm-hmm. you do on this study on the seed, I think people are only scratching the surface of science when it comes to the Bible. I think it's a lot there that you can just learn from the Bible in regards to science. And all, but we, yeah, we're well, studying you, everything mm-hmm. else outside of that. Well, you you have hidden hit hit one of the the salient questions uh, that we are dealing with. That the question right there. Uh, when you read the Great Controversy, what you'll notice is that uh, that Luther he was dealing with the church. Mm-hmm. But he had a friend, Melanchthon. Melanchthon was dealing with the education system. So when we go on into so-called Christian schools, I'm not talking about secular schools. I'm talking about Christian schools mm-hmm. that we got the label that we are a Christian institution. They should first and foremost have the Bible 
as the number one book to study. They, they, mm-hmm. they should have it. Mm-hmm. But do you know of any PhD that have studied science or any PhD or THD that have studied plants or animals that they have taken their principles from the Bible? Most of the textbooks are written by those who are secular scholars. Mm-hmm. And we take their books and we understand the concepts and they do have some good concepts, but we don't bring Elohim in, into the studies because all true science, now I'm talking about true science, mm-hmm. all true science and the Bible, they align themselves together. There's no contradiction. Mm-hmm. But when you get false science, there's a contradiction. So when men come out with letters behind their names mm-hmm. and preachers come out of schools with letters behind their names, they are lifting up the letters behind their names, but the academic understanding that they have is secular. Mm-hmm. And as a result, with that secular stuff, they bring it to society, and then when the society gets it, and we as Christians get it, we are not seeing what Elohim is doing with the seed. We're seeing how man handles the seed. And this is why I think a lot of the teachings of people dealing with the issues, dealing with abortion, dealing with uh, homosexuals, dealing with lesbian, uh, is because our schools has not been converted. Mm. And so we can only teach what our schools have taught us. And when I start waving that degree, I'm not only waving that degree, but I'm, I'm, I'm also waving the knowledge that I'd gotten to get this degree. So what Melanchthon was trying to do, he was trying to convert the education system. Luther was trying to deal with the church. And to a large extent, if we're going to see the reformation and revival in these last days, we have to make the Bible our central book that we are studying, and everything that we study in science should align itself with the scriptures. Mm. Wow. And I think with that, I think uh, you will find a lot of truth to the science instead of a lot of this stuff Mm -hmm. that's made up, you know, uh, because, I mean, when you really read the scriptures, the scriptures doesn't support that the earth is around, it's a globe. It doesn't support uh, uh, what they call it, uh, gravity and whatnot. You know, um, I think a lot of those things are in the scripture, but people don't want to study it to really see. And no, it's no, it's a lot, like a lot of these things. You know, uh, they don't want to get into it, and I think one of the reasons for that is because I didn't discover a lot of this stuff until I mean I was out of school. You know, because. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, a lot, a lot of the stuff that came up after I was out of school, it began. I began to look at it because usually when you're in school, you're studying and you usually accept what the textbook says. Yeah. And so as a result of doing that, the questions never came to me on a lot of other subjects that I should have questioned, but that was not the academic environment, or that was not the questionable environment to bring it to my attention. Mm-hmm. So after I got out of school, a lot of stuff comes come to my attention. I said, well, no, this don't make sense. Even though I studied it, it don't make sense. Yeah. And I think to a large extent, if you go to school and get a master's degree, a BA degree, or a THD, or a PhD, 
do you really want to come out and go against the views of society, even though they're wrong? Because it makes you say, you know, if I got a PhD, am I that dumb that I didn't see that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you may be, may have been, but do you have so much pride that when you see the truth, that rather than you look at yourself as you was dumb, but look at yourself that you are being enlightened now. Mm-hmm. But some people, they don't want to say, you know, all these years, how could I have been that stupid to not see that? So they continue to fight against it because they feel that they'll be less intelligent if they now accept truth after accepting a falsehood for so long. Now, some will be humble enough to say, hey, I'm going to accept this truth that I see. But yeah. some would say, hey, no, I, I can't confess that because it make me look stupid and I don't want to look stupid. So what do you do? Yeah. You fight against truth and you fight against those who have opposing truths that you have, even though the people who have the opposing truth, a lot of times they don't beat people across the head. But the people who have accepted error, they start beating the people who have the truth. Yeah. And as they beat them down so much, you only have one narrative. And even on the Internet, sometimes they cut you off if you don't go according to their narrative. True. Yeah. So, you know, it's it, it, it's one of those things. So we uh we have a question from a listener, and the question mm-hmm. is, if Elohim had not made Eve, would that mean that Adam could have reproduced on his own? Uh, that's a good question. That's a good question. I, I you know I, I I thought about that. I thought about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, now when I was in grammar school, when I was in grammar school there. Uh, they said one of the smallest particles of matter, I think they were teaching us, if I'm not pronouncing it wrong, they call it the euglena, the euglena. Mm-hmm. And I think the euglena was part animal and part plant. And it had what you call asexual reproduction, asexual. Mm-hmm. And it could produce itself. So... Uh, if he had not created Eve, could he have been asexual? Okay, now, here's what I would say. If we got something that could be a plant and an animal, and then from the plant and the animal, they were all, we were also taught in school of a, 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 an amoeba. Now, I understand that an amoeba is an organism that doesn't have sex, but it, it divides. It, it multiplies by dividing. Mm-hmm. And we have noticed that even though we have what we call the sexual reproduction of the man and the woman coming together, but we do know that when the woman's egg go through so many trimesters, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, of pregnancy, that those cells began to divide and to multiply, but it's between two men. But they got the amoeba does that by itself. Mm -hmm. It multiplies and it divides, okay, and it reproduces itself. So I would answer that question this way. Yes, I believe they could have done that. But Elohim knew that that would not be the highest type of 
fulfillment that we could have if we did it that way. So he made marriage of the male and the female, so he separated. But I believe he could have done that because we see in nature itself, which articulates many of the principles of creation, that if he could do it in that, he could have done it with man. But he chose to do it the other way. You know, so that just makes me wonder, his son, Yahusha, was he a product of that with Yah being both have both masculine and feminine? You know, how did Yahusha come about before he became yeah, a well, man? Yeah, well, that's the question that we will be getting to. We will eventually get with that question. But I'm trying to lay a foundation before we get there. Okay. Because ultimately, that's where we are going. All right. Yeah, it's very astute that you see that. And the person who was asking me about this study, uh, I told the person that I would uh, be writing on it. And I'm writing it on it now. Okay. And we hope you can get it in a book form as well. But that'll take a little time, you know, for it to be typed out. But okay. we're going through the dynamics of it. But the question that you asked is right there in there. And what what we're going to discover, too, we're going to discover some a startling. We're going to discover something so startling that you, you're going to have to look at this and you may have to change your mind about some things because uh -huh. we're going to find out when you deal with Christianity, Islam, and uh -huh. Orthodox Judaism and stuff, is is something in there that you brought out uh -huh. that you're going to have to you're going to have to take another look at. Wow. But we'll be we we'll be bringing it out, but we have to lay the foundation so when we get there, we'll, we'll be able to see logically, you know, what it's all about. Because the question that's going to rise, it's going to shake all of Christianity. Mm. Well, I got to say this then. Uh, if you're a listener and you know people, you need to tell them to listen to this podcast. If you haven't listened to us before, tell them they need to listen and tune in now because the past is about to come with some deep stuff on the seed and I'm, he's opening up my eyes of things I never understood and thought about the seed. And even what we're about to get into on, uh, let's talk about it. The whole situation with Roe versus Wade, what that has to do with the seed. And it seems like everything in this world pretty much has to do with the seed and all. Our plants, everything we live off have to do with a seed. So uh, we will go into our next segment. Is mm -hmm. let's talk about that. So in today, uh, and let's talk about it segment. I want to talk about choosing life over death, Roe versus Wade. Because if you know, you've been hearing a lot. It's been in the news that the Supreme Court has overturned Roe versus Wade. And it's basically the battle over life and death. And so we have to think about, you know, I think we think this it, that having an abortion is a innocent procedure. But we need to ask ourselves, is it? Because it, it's, it's the result of sin. Why all of these things happen, in my opinion. So if you have your Bibles, if you would turn with me to Deuteronomy, the 30th chapter, verse 19. And it reads, I call the heavens and the earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. 
Therefore, choose life that both of you and your seed may live. Now, I believe this verse has several cons- uh, connotations. I do, be- do believe this is not talking just about life and death now, but eternal life, uh, getting to the kingdom, eternal kingdom, where there will be no more sin and none of this stuff we have to go through. So, Pastor, one of my first questions is, is it wrong to get an abortion? And is abortion murder? Okay, let's take one of them at a time. Uh, is it wrong to get an abortion? Okay, that's that may be a matter of conjecture in the uh-huh. sense that uh, why are you getting while you're getting the, uh, the, 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 the abortion. Okay. Uh Now, anytime there's a medical procedure, uh, that may be justification for the medical procedure because sometimes in some instances that to abort the baby may, may be because the, something went wrong in the birth process. Okay. That, it takes it out of the abort- the abortion category to the medical situation. Uh-huh. Now, generally, my understanding is is that uh, when a person has a medical situation going on uh-huh. uh, with a pregnancy, then when the doctors determine that they want to do abortion, uh, they are trying to save both the child and the mother, they're, they're trying to do that in a medical situation. Okay. But that would be justifiable, but they are not talking about aborting the baby. They are talking about, we trying to save life, yeah. you know? So if you're trying to save life, that means that either the mother might die or the baby may die. And sometimes the baby dies and the mother lives. And there has been s- such a cases that, when a mother is having a baby and and and, the, and they take it to try to save uh, both the baby and the mother, sometimes the mother die and the baby lives. Uh-huh. Okay, but remember that situation uh, was a, as a result of a pregnant mother having a medical condition. So it was not the abortion that she was seeking. She was seeking medical attention with a pregnant situation. So when they got out of line in trying to save both of them, uh-huh. she had to abort the baby to save 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 her life, you know. Uh-huh. Okay. So in that situation, I, I can say uh, it was something that was the result of a medical condition, not just simply she wanted to get rid of an unwanted pregnancy. Now, what was the other question? Is well, I, sh- I should state it as as such because, uh, as you have said, if it's dealing with a health issue where you have to keep one or the other alive, I can understand that. But when you get into sin, like if if a pregnancy is a result of fornication or adultery. Now, in that case, is is having an abortion murder? Okay, let's 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 look at that. Uh, you know, is it murder? You know, uh, 
murder is an intention to kill. Uh-huh. You know, see, the Bible don't say thou should not kill. It says thou should not murder. Okay. Because when you, you know, we kill all the time, you know. We, people who eat meat, they kill chickens, you know. Uh-huh. People who eat plants, we have to kill the plant to eat it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh-huh. So, but Bible is talking about murder. You know, murder is an intention to kill another human being. Homicide, okay. Uh-huh. Now, let's let's look at that. Now, isn't most of the abortionists and the people who are fighting against abortion, what kind of science do they hold up? The woman has a right to her body, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. We have a right. We have the authority over our bodies, and uh-huh. it's a shame that the Supreme Court did what they did. Yeah. Now, all the Supreme Court did is send it back to the states. They didn't say <laughs> yeah. it's wrong or right. Yeah. They just sent it to the states and said, let each state yeah. determine what they want. Okay, but they said, it's my body. Mm-hmm. But now I want you to think with me, you know, I want you to think with me. Why on all of the signs, they're saying it's my body. But nobody has addressed the baby in the womb. They are, they are not saying it's my baby. Yeah. They're just saying it's my body. And what about the baby's body? That's what I'm saying. No sign. I haven't seen a sign yet. Yeah. I haven't seen anybody in government. I haven't seen the Speaker of the House. I haven't seen the Vice President of the United States. And I haven't seen the President of the United States say anything about the baby. Uh-huh. It's only woman's rights. Uh-huh. So if a woman has rights, would you think that the baby had rights? Uh-huh. So if the baby has rights, what is the rights of the baby? Uh-huh. All right, let, let's go to Psalms. Let's go to Psalms 139. Psalms 139. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we want to look at a few things there. And I suggest on, you know, on your own, you read the entire Psalms. Okay. Okay. Because one of the main issues is people are saying, well, the child has not developed yet. So if it hasn't developed, what's wrong with it? Okay. They said, well, if it's, uh, if it hasn't come together, it's just a clump of cells. But you and I, we were a clump of cells too. Yeah. And if somebody thought about aborting, we wouldn't be here. Yeah. Everything is a clump of cells, so you can't use that. Yeah. Okay, but let 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 let's go into the word and see what the word is saying. Okay. We turn look in the Psalms 139th division, and this is what David writes. And we want to start with uh, verse number 15. Now notice what it says. It says, My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wroth in the lower parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in the book, all my members were written, which in countenance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. The Bible says, even before your substance came together, Elohim knew it. He said he had your whole entire being in a book. Wow. Before your mother and your father came together, he said, I, I see your substance. Okay. Uh-huh. So when you come together, be it rape, be it incest, whatever, he says, when 
the seed and the egg comes together. He said, I saw it before they came together. Mm. And once they come together in your womb, he said, I see it. I had it written in a book. Elohim got a book that he knows how your eyes shape, your ears curled, and knows how many toes you have. Everything about you, he got it in a book before it came together. Mm. So we can't use the excuse that once it comes together in the body, that because it has not fully matured, that you can abort it. You mm. talking about you got rule over your body, but you don't have rule over that child because you can't make a child. Yeah. And you say, well, suppose suppose the mother raised raised the child, and the child turned out to be this. Well, let me tell you something. You can have a legitimate child, and it still can come out that way. Yeah. Elohim made Adam and Eve, and then when they had the first child, uh, Cain, and then they had Abel. They thought that when they had 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 Cain and Abel that basically they were they were getting the cream of the crop. Mm-hmm. And the older son turned out to be a murderer. So so that you know that that's that's not the thing. Now if the if 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 you say that you have rights and you shouldn't and you shouldn't murder mm-hmm. uh, a human being in life where does murder start? Do we start outside of the wound or in the wound? Mm. And if we start in the wound, now most doctors, now I'm not a doctor, but most doctors tell me that if a woman is on drugs, it's going to affect that baby. Mm-hmm. So even in the pregnancy stage, that could be murder by you not eating right and even your emotions going into the child could be murder mm-hmm. the way you think. Because mm-hmm. when all that stuff come down the umbilical cord to the child, it's going to make the child being affected. So you talking about the woman doesn't have a rights. What right do you have to take alcohol and narcotics in your body to have a child? Because you're going to affect the child. You're murdering that child from the, doing all of that stuff. But now then when it comes to having a baby out of wedlock or incest or rape, you want to kill that child, but you won't even recognize the child. The only thing you recognize is that my body, this is my body, but that is not your child. Because if you said you, if you said that you have been damaged mm-hmm. and you shouldn't be murdered, neither should that child be murdered. So when we look at it, we have to say to ourselves, if murder is murder outside of the womb, murder is also murder inside the womb. Mm. Because the Bible teaches out of the heart are the issues of life. Mm -hmm. So murder didn't just start with somebody being born and you kill them. Murder starts in the womb that when you cease to kill a baby in the womb simply because you saying I have control of my body that is murder mm-hmm. now if that is a murder then don't you think that when you go into the court and you murder somebody and they give you a sentence mm-hmm. 
Don't you think the same sentence ought to be given to somebody who murder a child in the womb? Murder mm. is murder. Yeah. Well, you say, well, uh, she was raped. Well, the child didn't rape her. Couldn't you at least bear the child? Because in bearing the child, you do at least two things. Number one, mm -hmm. if you bear the child, you may say, okay, once I got the child, I really love this child. Mm -hmm. And then the second thing, you might say, well, you know, I really don't want this child. Well, how many families would like to adopt their child? Yeah. You got a lot of families. They love to adopt their child. Yeah. And then the other thing that you, you, you have to look at, that if you had an unwanted child, then what is the possibilities of the fact that you go ahead and have that child and let the parents who adopt that child know where that child came from so when that child comes up, he may want to trace you down and find out what was going on because most children want to know who their parents are. This yeah. is why a lot of children act out because they don't know who their parents were. Okay? So there's a lot of benefits in going ahead and having that child. And, and in having that child, number two, number three is, is that I think it will be a less of a health hazard if you go ahead on and have that child than to have abortion because later on you you may want to have a legitimate child, but because you had the abortion, you can't have anymore. Yeah. So I'll leave it there. So, you know, uh, just like you mentioned about incest and rape, about getting an abortion. So... But if we were to move away from sin more and more, we embrace the covenant, we start keeping the Torah, a lot of the evils that will plague us when it comes to things like that, will we have some protection from the Most High because we're trying to live out what's proper and what's right and not engage in sinful acts? Because... A lot of times these pregnancies are the results of sinful acts, if not yeah. all of them. Yeah, well, that's, that's a good question. And what people need to think about that, well, you talk about my body, my choice. But if you are making the choice that you want to uh, commit adultery and have the child, and um, then when you messed up by having the child, at least when I say messed up, I'm saying the person who is doing it feel they messed up. Mm -hmm. Now you want to abort the child. So yeah. why not say, you know, there's a law against having, having a, a relationship outside of uh, marriage or mm -hmm. that you shouldn't have, have the sexual act. Yeah. You can put a whole lot of credence on the fact that this is my body. Well, if you can put that much on that's your body, then you should say also, uh, this is also my morals. I would not have sex to have a child in order to reach abortion. But we put more on the abortion than we do on our moral principles of having sex. Yeah. And I think that's unfair. Because I don't know, that child that you, you might have had illegitimately could grow up to be one of the greatest doctors to be able to cure something that we never would have found if we had aborted that baby we don't know what's in that baby let that baby live yeah true true 
Um, we have a question. Mm-hmm. And it said, uh, could a man getting a vasectomy or a woman taking birth control or getting their eggs removed be the same as abortion? Excellent question. Yeah, that's a that's a tremendous that's a tremendous question. Uh, but I I have to I have to answer that cautiously because uh, when we deal, you know, uh, with a vasectomy and you know a woman taking pills and stuff. Mm-hmm. Let's back up a little bit. Let's just back up and then we'll come head on. You know, a lot of lot of uh, women, you know, a lot of women, even before they have children, they have their menstruals, and sometimes the pain is of such a nature that they have to deal with getting drugs in order to reduce the pain. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we, we, we are a drug society. We are a drug society. Everything, we have a drug for it. You know, you can call America the drugstore because that's all we have is a drug. This is a drug nation. You can look at a commercial and they'd say, they'll tell you all kinds of drugs that they that they got. And then when they get through talking about the drugs, they tell you what the side effects is. And when I look into the side effects, I say, how can people put this mess in their body? Yeah. They're telling you what it's going to do. Okay. And there's not there's many natural remedies that could help. But I'm, I'm, I'm just saying that to lay the foundation that uh, it didn't start with the vexectomy and the uh, and the pills that the woman is taking. It's it, it, it's already there. When you get a headache, what you do? You take an aspirin. Mm-hmm. OK. Poison. But I know there's a lot of things that 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 you can take. You don't have to take an aspirin. They got a lot of natural stuff you can take. OK. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now let's get back to the vexectomy and the, and 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 the, and the and the pills. Okay, that that is that is a form. There is a form of killing, you know. That is a form of killing. Okay, but one has to take into consideration of the fact that if you get a vexectomy, why are you getting it? Okay, why are you getting it? Mm-hmm. If you're taking birth control pills, why are you taking those pills? Now, I'm assuming, I'm not saying this is a fact, I'm assuming that you're married. Because if you're not married, mm-hmm. I, I'm saying you, you ain't got no business having sex, but you you people still have sex even if they're not married. So, But my point being is, why are you getting a vexectomy? I would think that you may be getting one in marriage because of the fact you may have so many children that you don't want to have any more because the quality of life and what you're able to give, it, it would be better if them children were not, all them children were there, not there anyway. Mm-hmm. Because oftentimes when you get uh, uh, all these children, and, and the quality of life is so poor, sometimes you wonder, sh- should you really have gotten them so you get it? Now, am I justifying getting a vexectomy? No, I'm not. I'm not justifying. All mm-hmm. I'm saying is the quality of life that may occur when getting so many children, it may have been better that you got a vexectomy, but I would go e- even further than that. I would say if you could, if you could exercise, 
self-restraint. And Elohim can give you that, but I know everybody can't exercise that. That's the main reason you have a lot of women who are taking birth control pill because they got so many babies that if they get another one, they got so many baby daddies and they're not taking care of them, uh, it'd be better that she doesn't have all them kids because mm-hmm. the quality is going to be so poor. Okay. But am I saying take the period? No. Again, in that situation, I'm also saying exercise restraint. Have morals and ethic, ethics about yourself that you do not have to do that. Yeah. And in a good Christian home, when you look to Elohim and pray and honestly meditate, I think he can give you the willpower not to do that. Okay? So, yes, it is a form of killing. But sometimes in our society, we have to lose the lesser of two evils. You know, are are we going to have all of these children? And then we don't have them the quality of type of children that we want. Some children being neglected because the firstborn got all of the treatment. And when all of the other children come, seven or eight, they don't really get the love that they want. And we can look and see what happened in Jacob's family when he loved Joseph more than that. It's just going to be a lot of problems. I do not endorse that. I endorse not getting, con- you don't really even need to get contraceptives, but you can get contraceptives. But if you exercise more restraint, and some people can, some people, they don't choose to, mm-hmm. that some of these methods may help the quality, quality of life. And these are some of the issues. They are not really black or white. They gray. You have to pray to the Elohim and to ask him to help you through this because it is a difficult process. But I've been a social worker and I've seen this stuff. You can have kid after kid after kid, but the quality of life is so poor because you got so many, you can't really deal with them. So I would ask, I would say this. Yes, it is. It is a slight type of murder. But someone one have to take it in perspective to see where one is when this happens and what are the best alternatives. Uh, I can't take a definitive stand on it because it hasn't happened to me. And sometimes when things happen to you, it's different from common on a situation that you're not in. Yeah. So I wouldn't say it's wrong and I wouldn't say it's right, but I can say it, it is a, a, a type of murder. You know, uh, and I think the whole thing that uh, people are up in arms, you know, you got pro-life and pro-choice. But can no one take their choices from you? Whether the government puts things in place or not, you still have a choice to do something or not. You know, you, even when it That's comes true. to drug use, the government mm-hmm. can, as much as they can take, try to take the streets drugs off the street a person who want to do drugs going to find a way to do it because that's their choice so no one can Fresh. can mm. take ever really take your choice from you no you was born with your choice you're right about that Elohim gave adam and eve a choice your mm-hmm. choice is yours that's yeah. that's the one thing you can manage and, and when, when you say you, you got your no i was gonna say and every and, and <laughs> the most high that's one of the things he built in us was choices from the beginning he said, look, I put the tree of knowledge of good and evil in a guard. You are not to partake of it. You had a choice to partake or not to partake. He didn't put a gun to your head and don't do it. He's, he gave you the choice. And so he's, he's, he's always given us choices. He doesn't force us to love him and to worship him and even to keep his covenant because we, we have seen what has happened to our people 
through the years because of us neglecting the covenant. So he always gives us choices. There's always choices in life. Well, that's true. And uh, I would just add to what you said is that uh, when it comes to taking the pills or vexectomy or getting an abortion, it's still a choice. Mm -hmm. If you if you choose that this is what you want to do in spite of the child, you know, they got states that have already passed laws is already you, you can get an abortion. Yeah. You know, and then they got states that you you can't get it, you know. So, I mean, you you you're going to do what you want to do anyway. You got a choice. Exactly. And even before abortions was uh, legalized, I know when I was living in Chicago, uh, back in the time in which they were trying to deal with the abortion that, you know, you know, that you couldn't get it. And a lot of people still want it. So when they had Roe <laughs> B. Wade, what happened? When they opened it up that <laughs> you could get abortions, some of those clinics in in, in Illinois, they turned to book, book, butcher shops. Mm. They were getting so many abortions. They just came in. They was just getting them. They mm. were just getting them. So I'm saying whether you got a law or not, they're going to do what they got to do. If they got to go down to Mexico, they're going to do it, you know. But if we, his children, we will seek ways and means that can be endorsed by Elohim. And before we get ready to close out, we have one more question that has come in from a listener. Uh, it's going, is dealing with seeds, and it says, is it wrong for us to eat seedless grapes and seedless watermelons? And before you answer, I just want to say that I believe the seeds are still there. They just have manipulated it to where the seeds are small. That's what I I, I think so. But I, what, what's your explanation? Okay, let's look at that. That's 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 really a good question. I yeah. I, I smile not because because uh, you can't find grapes question. really now yeah. that don't have you know that what they say they're seedless grapes. You, it's very seldom now you can find grapes with physical big seeds. Yeah, because I, I went to the market uh, a few months ago, and I was looking for some grapes with seeds. I couldn't find any, mm -mm. so I didn't get nope. any. I didn't. I didn't get any. Okay, okay, but that may not be by total reason. But let's let's look at that. Okay, uh, uh, like you said, there might be some seed in there, but they found out how to, how to manipulate it. But I'm going into a different direction here. Uh, mm -hmm. Now, when you look look at what Elohim made. He made he made fruit. He made vegetables. He made uh, herbs. He made nuts, legumes, and uh, what else is is there? Great. All right. Now he said, "I make them with the seed." Elohim said, "I made each one with the seed in it." Okay. Mm -hmm. Now let's look at it from this standpoint. Now, me personally, I'm a I'm a vegan. I don't even eat dairy products or milk or anything, the cheese and all that. Okay, now, when I look at the plant, he said the seed is within itself. Mm -hmm. Now, when, when you look at the fruits, the nuts, the vegetables, the herbs, the nuts, and all of, all of them, they have nutritional value. Now, Elohim has so made that, that we can even eat the seeds of certain plants and most plants you can eat the seed. You know, if you got one of these blenders at home, you can put 
take an orange and put it and blend the whole thing up, you can eat the peel and the orange and the seed, okay, and which have a lot of nutritional values. There's a lot of nutrition in those seeds. And then he has plants that have seeds, like the sunflower, the pumpkin seeds. You can eat those seeds. I like pumpkin seeds. I like the sunflower seeds. Okay, and you got the nuts, which which are seeds. All of those have nutritional value. So when you look at the seed and the value that the seed has, it is being contributory, you know, to 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 your health. So when you got the seed, I think you got you got the entire you got the entire plant. Mm-hmm. All right, but now when you say uh, you got seedless things. Now, some watermelon, they are seedless, but usually when I get a watermelon, I, I make sure it has seeds in it, okay? Now, why do I do that? Because I feel that whenever you have a plant without seeds, and Elohim said the seeds should be in there, my, the first question I'm thinking is, is this GMO? Mm. I don't want no uh, genetic modified food. That's why I don't eat the grape. Not because I don't have seeds, but I'm trying to say if you took the seed and Elohim put it in there, is it GMO? And I don't want no GMO stuff now. Mm-hmm. And so that's my primary reason. And, you know, uh, I know, too, like I've had, I try not to buy them now, but in previous years I've had seedless watermelon, supposedly. But then when I start to eat into that watermelon, I see seeds that hasn't really fully developed. Mm-hmm. Now, seeing seeds that haven't fully developed is kind of an issue because I'm like, okay, what has been done for that seed to um, not be developed mm-hmm. and everything, you know? Uh, okay, we have another question. <clears throat> Could okay. eating multiple fruits with seeds at the same time be mingling of the seeds? Uh, okay, I'm going I'm 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 to try to answer that in two phases because what you're presenting here, mm-hmm. you said eating a multiple uh, amount of fruit. Could that be intermingling? All right, let's. the first point I want to look at it, 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 is this is that when we eat a multiple type of fruit, are you saying also, I'm just injecting this, are you saying we, we are also eating the seed or we just eating the fruit? That's, that's one issue that we're dealing with because sometimes you can eat watermelon and plums and pears at the same time, okay? Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that you're eating the pear seed, the watermelon seed, and, and 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 the other seed, you know, it doesn't mean that you're eating the seed. You're just eating the fruit, okay? Mm-hmm. Okay, but by the same token, then, uh, we want to look at fruit from the standpoint of the varieties that you eat because I think some people don't really classify uh, watermelon and maybe other melons as fruit. They said they are legumes. And usually when you got legumes, you can eat those with vegetables or you can eat them also with fruit. Mm-hmm. They are neutral. You can eat them with, with both. Just like a lot of time people have potlucks at church or they may have food. And afterward they say, we got watermelon. Well, watermelon ain't number water, but it's a legume and it's not going to interfere uh, with 
the other food that you have eaten. So what I'm saying is that sometimes uh, to eat too many varieties of, of, of something can be detrimental in this sense. If I'm eating uh, too many varieties and the acid in my stomach is hydrochloric acids, Mm-hmm. And they understand that even when you eat protein food, protein is first broken down into the mouth and then it go down the esophagus and then to the stomach and then to the small intestines and then it goes into the large intestines. And what you're experiencing, that those acids are pulling out certain nutrients of the food. But if you got so many varieties of like uh, you may have uh, so many varieties in your stomach, especially uh, when it when it comes to fresh fruit, that those acids may not be able to digest as much. I would only suggest that you eat a few varieties at each meal, so the acids can have their full potency to dis- to be able to assimilate the food and get the nutrients out into our bodies. That can be one one, one problem. Mm-hmm. So. If you got legumes and fruits, that's okay. But if you got so many varieties of food, I'm not sure how many varieties you you, you have in mind. But generally, when I eat in the morning, I might have some. Uh, let's see, I might have some blueberries, a banana, and an orange. And sometimes I may have blueberries, banana, and uh, grapefruit. You know, mm-hmm. and then I might you know eat uh, maybe my grits and whatever. Whatever. But I don't want to have so many varieties that it cannot be properly broken down. So we may have to understand that if we got over over three or four varieties that we are eating at one meal, we may say, wait, wait a minute, let me not eat it at this meal, but maybe I can eat so many at this meal and maybe at another meal I can eat, eat some more. So I think one has to use discretion in the amount and the varieties of the fruits that one is eating. But now if you're saying that uh, also that when you eat the fruit, then you were eating the seeds. Uh, that may be one thing because mm-hmm. I know they got apricot seeds. Now, apricot seeds, what I understand, if you crack that seed in an apricot, uh, it's got a seed and it's real bitter, but they say it's got nutritional value. And I think they say uh, the nutritional value from the apricot seed is vitamin K. Mm-hmm. And I think we do need some vitamin K, but it's so potent that I don't, I don't know if you gonna you would want to eat too much of it. Maybe maybe two or three maybe might might be the the uh be, may be the most. Mm-hmm. But I would think if you get in apricot seeds, the orange seed, and you certainly can't eat the apple seed, you know, but you can, but it'll be hard to be broken down. It would probably just come out in your stool because I don't think the acid can really break down the seeds like that. So I think you have to use some discretion in eating of the seeds mm-hmm. with the fruit because uh, I would say you would eat sparingly of a lot of seeds because when you eat fruits, most of what you're getting is fiber. And mm-hmm. fiber is to help you have a have a movement, but it also helps you to feel that you are full so that you don't overeat because meat has no fiber in it. And when you like to eat a lot of grease and fats and stuff, you're still wanting more because you don't have enough fiber to, to say to you, hey, you're already full. This is why people get o- obese, but you're not talking about all of the other fatty. Your question is, can you eat fruits, a variety of fruits? And I'm saying 
if you eat a variety of fruits and not the uh, seeds, mm -hmm. then I'm saying you have to do it sparingly. And then if you're eating the seeds along with the fruits, you have to use uh, use that sparingly too. Because if I got oh, six different fruits, I may one day eat this fruit and another day maybe eat mangoes and another day eat, eat another one. And then it gives my hydrochloric acid in my stomach the full potential. Uh, uh, potency to be able to assimilate that food and to be able to get the nutrients that my body needs. So that's the way I would look at it. But uh, when it when it comes to like sir eating certain fruits, a lot of times we don't eat the seed; we eat the flesh of the fruit. Because just like with a mango, the watermelon, we're eating the flesh. We're not really eating the seeds. But okay, say say that you was to eat, uh, say like a pineapple. And, you know, some people eat the apple seeds all the way down. You know, they eat the whole apple, even the seeds. Mm -hmm. So is that mingling of seeds? Say you was to eat a pineapple, which a lot of times the seeds are throughout it, that they're so small that, you know, you're going to really eat them. And say you um, uh, eat, what did I just say? Uh, let's say a kiwi, because kiwi seeds are in there too, a strawberry mm -hmm. with the seeds in mm -hmm. there. Uh, is that that's mingling of the season? Does the mingling of the seed even applies to when we eat that we shouldn't mingle the seeds when we eat? Well, I think what I think the main thing on the mingling of seed was not the eating, as mm -hmm. I understand it in the Bible. The, the okay. mingling of seeds was when you grow it. Oh, okay. All right. See, when you grow grow it, you don't you don't want to mingle it because it's not going to grow to its full potential. Because mm, okay. let, let, let us say you had a kiwi, strawberry, and you had pineapple and uh, 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 lemon and orange and all that. Mm -hmm. Well, basically, all of those fruits, the main thing that they have in it is vitamin C. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, vitamin C is not a storage vitamin. Mm -hmm. Vitamin C is something that you're giving off constantly. That's when you have to continue to eat uh, uh uh, fruit and also some people take you know uh, vitamins like vitamin C you know because they have ascorbic acid in it in order to give them the vitamin C but what I'm saying is yes it's mingle but you're you're chewing it up you're not you're not mingling the seed in the growth of it you're mingling the seed and the assimilation of it in your stomach mm -hmm. so I, I I see that different okay uh, just like like just like <laughs> just like uh just like when you talk to some Jehovah Witnesses, mm -hmm. they say, well, you shouldn't eat blood. Okay, all right. Well, I agree with you, you shouldn't eat blood. But they said blood transfusion is also eating blood. I said, no, wait a minute, <laughs> wait a minute. Now. I said, last time I looked in the dictionary, eating was to take it through your mouth. Mm -hmm. But when you got blood, it's almost like artificial respiration is that you're breathing into a person and blood is that you're, you're, you're giving it blood to another person. That's not eating it. That's, that's, that's transferring whatever blood type another person had to your blood type, which you do have, that's not eating it. And I said, okay, let me, I said, if you take that analogy, if you take that analogy, mm -hmm. I said, well, I, I said, well, in actuality, I said eating blood is more 
of the mouth, but let's take your analogy that if you transfer blood into another person that's eating, I said, well, I'm following your your doctrine more so than you because many of you eat meat. Mm -hmm. You eat meat, and meat has blood in it, not unless you got kosher meat, so you are literally eating meat. I said, but I'm a vegan. I'm a vegetarian. I don't even eat it, so... I don't deal with the cholesterol and all that stuff in the in the blood. So I said, you sh even if you say I'm eating it when I get a transfusion, I am still saying to you is that you are eating blood yourself. Okay, now, if you say that if I get a blood transfusion from somebody else, I'm eating it, mm -hmm. I have seen Jehovah Witness, okay, you say eating blood is getting transfusion. I said, but I have seen Jehovah Witness go into the hospital, and when they go into the hospital, what do they do? They donate their own blood. Mm. And when they donate their own blood, mm -hmm. are you saying that they are eating it? Mm -hmm. Well, they really don't have no answer for it, but, but what I'm trying to, trying to say is, is that when you eat uh, vegetables and seeds and all of that, yeah, you are, you are chewing it up and it's being emasculated in such a way that you're not sowing the seed together, you're just eating them together. It's just like when you eat like wheat and barley, and I think they got uh, Ezekiel bread, they got all different type of seeds in there that you eat. It's no problem with it because you're eating it and you're not growing it. Mm -hmm. He said don't mingle a seed when you grow it, not when you eat it. Okay. And we have... Uh... Right, one last question before we wrapped it up regarding abortion. Mm -hmm. Say so it doesn't John fifteen thirteen, which says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends, make it a sin for a woman to abort a child to save her own life. Mm, that's a that's a good passage. Maybe we ought to end on that. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah. Yeah, because uh if you lay down your life for that child, I'm telling you, you really don't know what that child might turn out to be. True. So just keep that baby alive. And if you don't want it, like I said, love people out there adopt it. But if you really love him, just like some people said, uh, if you really love your neighbor, you put that mask on. <laughs> yeah. Well, the same person who says that you should put the mask on, the same person saying, well, you should get an abortion. But I'm just saying, if you love your neighbor, not only would you put that mask on, which I, you know, that's a question there, but if you really love your neighbor, that baby in your stomach is your neighbor. <laughs> so what about saving that baby's life? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Pastor, well, before, it's just one verse that I want to read to you. Uh, some of you may not have the Apocrypha or the Sefer Bible, but this comes from the fourth book of Ezra. 7 verse chapter 7 verse 48 and it's interesting i just want you to think about it and it reads for an evil heart has grown up in us which has alienated us from elohim and has brought us into corruption and the ways of death and has shown us the paths of perdition and removed us far from life and that not just a few of us, but almost all who have been created. And when I read that, I was like, wow. We've all have grown in sin. And many of us 
are so alienated from Elohim because of all the sin and that many of us are on the path of death rather than eternal life. So we need to start thinking, what is our path? Where are we headed? Are we going to try to do things to head our path to eternal life? Or is our path on the path to eternal death? So with that, Pastor, can you take us out in the word of prayer? Our loving Father, we thank you again that we can be able to dialogue and to interface the Bible, Lord, with the life that we are living in this world that we may know the right things to do. Even Solomon prayed for wisdom. He didn't pray for riches or long life. He prayed for wisdom and knowledge to know how to govern so great thy people. And we look also for the wisdom that we can take the Torah, we can take the Bible and interface it with our daily lives, Lord, that we can be able to walk in your will. We admit some things are gray area that we don't really have the answers, but if we look to you, you would help us to make the right choices. So help us to always be in the audience chamber with you, that as we look to you and as we read your word, that the same spirit that inspired men to write it may be the same spirit that help us to understand it, that we can walk correctly in this world. Continue to be with those, O oh, Heavenly Father, who are sick and shed in. Be with those who are on hospital beds and those, O oh Lord, who are at home cannot function properly. We pray and ask, Lord, that as we continue to look to you, that you would give us healing that we can give you a testimony of what great things you have done. And so we would ask that you would continue to bless each listener, bless those who may be listening through the week, bless my host and bless myself, and most of all, bless those who are sincere, and bless those, O Heavenly Father, who are desiring, O Heavenly Father, to know the truth, that you would help others to be able to tune into this program, that they can be able to voice their opinions, and also, O Heavenly Father, that they can be able to be able to walk in the covenant promises that we are are trying to articulate. And when you have been able to bring us to the covenant and to do the things that you would have us to do, that we may be able to embrace your kingdom, which is an eternal kingdom, that we will be embracing eternal life, that you would continue to guide and direct us. And as we go through the rest of the Shabbat, that you would give us a Shabbat blessing, that when we go into a new week, we will have been so renewed and recreated in such a way that we can do a better task of the things that we should perform in the week ahead. These and other blessings we ask in the name of Yeshua, the Messiah. And for his dear sake, we do pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. Amen. That is our podcast for this week. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to email us at scienceofthecovenant at gmail.com. Know, therefore, that Yahuwah Elohika is an Elohim, the faithful El, which guards his covenant and mercy with them that love him and guard his commandments to a thousand generations. Until next week, Shalom.